0: We must remain vigilant. Elixirs are a scourge that threatens to consume our children, our partners, our friends. The Duchess of Thornley sure knew how to tug an audience's strings. Johannes Wilhelm Thornley III watched all several hundred citizens in the council chamber draw breath at once, captivated by his wife's performance. Carlotta blushed and demurred, reclaiming her seat among the other council members' relatives. The public commentary began, Frazzled citizens told sob stories about fortunes squandered on elixirs. Johannes hated this part. They had bigger concerns. This afternoon, Elzebeth had left home carrying an overnight bag. Johannes feared Louise had corrupted her younger sister, too. Carlotta wanted to involve the Iron Shoes. Johannes refused. Imagine the fervor if their enemies found out both Thornley children had fled to the underworld. No. He'd find their daughters himself. A young man replaced a grieving widow at the ampliphone. Does anyone truly believe these council members care what happens to the common folk of Locke? That got his attention. Who is that? he whispered to Maxwell, the current acting head. Adrian de Bruin, Ivan's son. Rumor has it Adrian's with the reformists now. Johannes wrinkled his nose. Naturally, the De Bruins, a perfume-peddling family that still maintained a shop in the merchant's quarter of all places, had produced this upstart. Adrian raised his fist. Locke needs better leaders, elected by the people. Johannes scoffed. Locke needs to best its vices, and the people need firm control. Adrian grinned. You're a fraud, all this hand-wringing about morality. You want to know who causes the real rot in- Count Ivan finally wretched the ampliphone from his son. In the ringing silence that followed, Carlotta caught her husband's eye. Her lips moved. He knows. Realm Presents Elixir Episode 2
1: dot com slash thrive for twenty percent off your first order.
0: Hey there!
2: Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Or wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this: talented actors giving incredible performances, with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in. Produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their
0: chance to shine.
3: You could have warned me, Elsie complained as she helped Vera wipe down tables in the now empty bar. On a bar stool at the far end of the jaded rose lounged the iron shoe who had nearly given Elsie a heart attack. But it turned out she was Vera's aunt, Maud. Elsie watched Maud talk to Vera's cousins, a man named Rolf, and the pair of young boys who'd let Elsie into the hush bar earlier. What? and miss the look on your face? Vera paused to wave as another cousin departed for the night, then smirked at Elsie. Elsie flung both hands up. Should I not be concerned when law enforcement walks in on me doing something illegal? Vera tutted. You didn't even drink your elixir. As the saying goes, if you're gonna do the time, might as well enjoy the crime. (laughs) That is not a saying. She spotted the edge of a smile on Vera's face. For all I know, you're the real danger. Pretty new gal shows up, refusing to take part in illicit substances? Elsie's pulse skittered. She thinks I'm pretty. You've got to understand the risk I'd be taking if I let you stay. You could be anybody. Elsie swallowed. She was a terrible liar. But as a Thornley, there was no way she could admit her true identity to an apotheker. Especially one she'd just met. Let me stay the night, and I'll tell you everything tomorrow. Deal? Vera's eyebrows rose. Are you bargaining? Gladly, if you'll accept my life story in lieu of coin. Elsie winked. Oh no, I'll be taking both, thank you very much. Elsie's eyes lit up. So that's a yes. A provisional yes. Yes. Before Vera could say any more, Elsie caught her hand and shook it enthusiastically. You won't regret it. I promise. The apothecary's body went rigid. She didn't move until Elsie released her. Blood rushed to Elsie's face. Sorry. Her palm tingled, where she held Vera's. We don't have any actual bedrooms free, but I'll have Art set up a cot in storage. I'm sure it's grand. Elsie had one night to learn to lie with a straight face. What have I gotten myself into?
2: Mornings were Vera's favorite time of day. Unusual for someone who made her living tending bar and whose every family member worked nights too. But that was precisely why. Mornings belonged to her alone. At this hour, The dockside population was completely different from the party-hungry evening crowd. Families with small children haggled over farmers' harvests. Businessmen swung by en route to the merchant's quarter for the freshest pastries in the city. Vera smiled, imagining the look on Elsie's face if she could see this side of Vera's neighborhood. Then she caught herself and forced a scowl. She didn't even know this gentrywoman. Elsie had offered money and help around the bar. Letting her stay in the storage room was a business decision, nothing more. But she caught herself rubbing her hand, remembering the impulsive way Elsie had shaken it. She rolled her eyes. Pull it together, Reeves. She had more important concerns. Aunt Maud's news, for one thing. Ever since Vera's father had been imprisoned in the no-contact jail normally reserved for murderers and insurrectionists, Maud had been trying to smuggle communications to him. Last night, Maud had looked more morose than usual. He's alive, but we still couldn't get your letters through. I'm sorry. Is there something else? Vera had asked when Maud lingered. Probably nothing. Apparently, a dozen iron shoes left the force this week. Unease had tickled the nape of Vera's neck. Think the captain wants to go clean? Source, I hope not. If the captain got rid of any iron shoes willing to take bribes, well, Vera's life was not compatible with a clean-cut world. A gaggle of people on the dockside street interrupted her train of thought. Fresh, sticky graffiti was scrawled across a shop front. The symbol reminded Vera of the throne-like city council chairs, except it was painted blood red instead of gold, with ugly slash marks across the middle. An old woman shook her head. I don't like it. Her companion shrugged. They're just enthusiastic. They who? Vera wondered. Before she could ask, Someone jostled her from behind. Oi, watch where you're... She broke off at the sight of a figure in a green cloak, bolting away. Vera's hand flew to her waist. Shit, that asshole just picked her pocket. She took off. She tracked them across the main plaza and nearly lost them in the maze of streets beyond. She sprinted up one alley, only to find it empty. By the time she doubled back, All she glimpsed was the hem of the thief's cloak whipping into an abandoned warehouse. Her fingers crept to the vial at her neck. She'd filled it with her usual, one dose of invisibility. What she wouldn't give for a speed elixir instead. Hey, Vera shouted as she reached the warehouse entrance. She stepped inside. I saw you come in here, you little. Someone slammed the door behind her. Electric lights blared to life. She winced and squinted in the glare. What the,
0: Reeves?
2: She balled her fists. Jones. Her opponent strolled out from behind a crate, one hand in his pocket. The other rested on the shoulder of a kid in a green cloak. Her thief couldn't be more than eight or nine years old. Vera bared her teeth. Using children to do your dirty work now, I see. Vera had no qualms with tournament fighters who lived off the purses they won boxing. She did have qualms with Harlow, who'd saved up his purses to buy a hush bar after the elixir ban kicked in. Jones's family weren't apothecars. He had no training, no regard for how unsafe Weimar Water could be, nor did he seem to care how many customers got sick at his establishment. You're losing your touch, Reeves, if a novice can one-up you. Harlow held out a hand. The child passed him Vera's coin purse, filled with Elsie's money.
0: Wow!
2: Someone had a good night. From the corner of her eye, Vera caught movement. At least two shadows. A woman? She was outnumbered, but she doubted Harlow would actually harm her not when she owned something he wanted. To spare you the trouble of a fruitless conversation, my answer hasn't changed. We're not selling. His grin widened. Reeves, Vera, can I call you Vera? That is how names work. One of the shadows inched closer. She glanced their way, then down at her necklace holding the invisibility elixir. It wouldn't do her much good out in the open. But if she ducked behind a crate, she could drink it and blend into the shadows. Maybe find a side exit. Harlow smirked. Without warning, he tossed the coin purse at her. Consider that a good faith gesture. Gee, thanks for returning the property you stole in the first place. I'm not an unreasonable man, Vera. You were raised with certain... Beliefs? I get that. I don't even blame you for your bias against us new apothecars. Don't call yourself that. Her hands shook. Damn it. He was getting under her skin and he knew it. You don't make elixirs. She suspected he added something to his formulas, made them addictive to ensure repeat business. Vera also thought about Elsie, her missing sister. "'What you serve is pure poison,' she spat. Harlow smirked. "'And yet I'm the one whose clubs are packed every night. You say I'm not a proper apothecary? Maybe not, but I am an entrepreneur. With my business acumen and your apothecary skills combined,' We'd rule this city. And there it was. The real reason he hadn't touched her yet. She smiled, all teeth. Then you slit my throat the minute you've learned all my family recipes? (laughs) Not happening. Do you truly think that low of me? Vera grabbed the vial around her neck. It was a bluff, but he didn't know what type of elixir it contained. I have been doing this since long before you traded boxing gloves for homebrewing, Harlow. This is my world, and with or without me, Reeves will be running it long after you're rotting in the ground. His attention lingered on the vial. When he didn't reply, she turned on her heel and strode toward the exit. If you'll excuse me, We've both wasted quite enough of the day. When the time comes, remember this. I tried to resolve our differences politely. She shouldered open the door. Trust me,
1: I won't forget. I like a story that will take me to extremes, and nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072, the city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. Which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell, but things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt.
3: Elsie's head throbbed. Every muscle in her body ached from the lumpy cot. All night, memories of the last time she'd seen her sister haunted her dreams. Where are you, Lou? She'd gotten what she wanted, an invitation to stay the night. Now, Elsie needed to convince Vera to keep her. She hauled herself off the lumpy cot and padded into the bathroom. She fished Lou's letter out of her purse and withdrew her thinnest makeup brush, wetting the tip. Carefully, she daubed her sister's signature until Louise Thornley was little more than a dark smudge. Satisfied, she pocketed the note and headed to the bar. In the jaded rows, Art and Benji were balancing on perilously tall ladders to dust the top shelf. Near the foot of those ladders, a woman Elsie hadn't met watched Rolf work through a ledger. Her skin was several shades darker than the Reeves' cousins, her hair a mass of luxurious curls. The woman was the first to spot Elsie. She touched Rolf's shoulder. He glanced up, then broke into a huge smile, as if Elsie were an old friend. There's our new tenant. Elsie, you know the boys? This is my wife, Jane. Jane pointedly sized Elsie up. Thank you so much for letting me stay here, Elsie said, mostly to Jane. That was Vera's decision. We don't want any trouble. And I don't want to cause any. Jane just side-eyed her husband and strode away. Elsie noticed the swell at her waistline. Rolf and his wife were expecting. Elsie couldn't blame Jane for distrusting a newcomer, especially in that condition. Rolf watched his wife go, then snapped the ledger shut. Sleep alright? Fine. 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 That bad, huh? She stifled a groan. See? She was terrible at lying. And soon she'd need to lie to Vera, who seemed far too perceptive. Elsie dropped onto a stool beside Rolf. How long has Vera run this place? Ever since Thornley imprisoned her father. th th thornley you say? Rolf gave her a funny look. You know, the Duke of Thornley. Most prominent member of the council? Absurdly wealthy zealot, responsible for the dam? No, I... I mean... Of course I know him. Know of him, I should say. Well, I've attended some of the same... Big... functions. Damn. She should have invented a more complete cover story. I didn't know the Duke arrested Vera's father. Rolf grunted. Not just arrested. Thornley pushed the council to convict Henrik of treason, claimed that perpetuating the dark magic of apothecary was tantamount to betraying the city. Thankfully, we don't execute prisoners anymore, but seditionists aren't allowed contact with the outside world. Vera hasn't spoken to her father in five years. No wonder Vera distrusts Gentry. Elsie pushed the thought aside. She was not her father, or her mother for that matter who had a great deal more to do with the elixir ban than people gave Carlotta credit for. Perhaps her parents had made some mistakes in the beginning, but they'd done it because they wanted to protect Locke. Elsie could understand the reasoning, even though her heart ached for Vera. There must be a better way. Like Vera said last night, a... a gray area. Maybe when she got home, Elsie could talk to her parents about lightening the severity of convictions for apothecars. Ralph glanced at her again, and she realized she'd fallen silent for too long. It just... it sounds terrible, being torn away from your family. I... I think about my little one. Baby's not even born yet, and I can't imagine what it would feel like not to see them grow up. He peered over his shoulder in the direction Jane had gone. He opened his mouth to add something when the staff door crashed open. Vera stormed through it. Even furious, the sight of her made Elsie's pulse hitch. It was like watching a storm about to break over the mountains. That bastard! Vera snarled. Rolf rose from his seat. You're going to have to be a little more specific. Harlow. He cornered me at the market. Threatened to... Belatedly, Vera's gaze landed on Elsie. Her mouth snapped shut. Need us to fight him, Vera? Art swung off his ladder and brandished a scrawny bicep. We've been practicing. Shut up, you dolt. Benji jumped down from his own perch to shove his brother. Vera shut her eyes, as though praying for patience. Out, you two. Ah, Art groaned. But I didn't... Benji fell silent when Vera pointed at him. They waited for the boys to exit. Up close, Elsie noted the tautness in the other woman's neck, the quiver in her lips. A beat too late... Elsie realized she was staring at those lips. She dragged her eyes up to Vera's. Someone threatened you? Are you alright? I'm fine. Vera ran a hand through her bob. A long look passed between her and Rolf. The kind of look Elsie was used to trading with Lou. I can leave if you two need to talk. No. Stay. You owe me a story. What, now? (laughs) Elsie half laughed. Vera didn't. Rolf, on the other hand, took sudden interest in the stage. Did Pauline leave that piano cover up again? He trudged away, muttering under his breath. Elsie tugged her stool closer to Vera's. Here goes nothing. She reached for the letter in her pocket, unfolded and spread it on the bar. All right, so I told you my sister's in trouble. Vera bent over the page. What am I looking at? This is the note Lou left before she disappeared. Dearest Elsie, You may have noticed my unusual behavior of late. I apologize for any distress I might have caused to you or to our parents. The situation is I have fallen in love. I am leaving home to stay with him. For how long and where, I cannot say. Rest assured, I count the days until we see each other again, darling sister. Warmest regards, followed by the blotched signature. Elsie studied Vera's profile while she read. Vera set the letter down. I don't get it. I thought you said she was in trouble. She is. Everything about this is wrong. Lou has never written this formally in her life, much less to me. It's her handwriting, but the words themselves. Love makes people act strange. "'It's not that.' Elsie paused. "'How can I explain Lou? I... "'Time for the real test.' She knew what she needed to do. Weave truth into her new identity. "'The first time I went to a big gentry ball, "'I mean, with some of the really wealthy families, "'I was so overwhelmed. "'Don't get me wrong. "'My family aren't poorly or anything.' But my mother always reminded us that we could lose everything as easily as... Truth. Immense thornly wealth aside, Mama never forgot her past. She'd come from a struggling silk merchant family. At the ball, I had a panic attack in the bathroom. I just kept thinking about all the ways I could mess up. Do or say the wrong thing. There was so much pressure. Rich girl problems, I know. But I was only ten. Anyway, Lou found me, and she said, "'Create an alternate identity.'" Don't know why, but I named mine Jake. Maybe I wanted to channel a male-sized ego. Vera cracked a smile. It was probably an apothecary trick, but she seemed so easy to talk to. All the more reason Elsie needed to be careful. Lou told me, "'Elsie might be scared, but Jake isn't. "'Anytime you're overwhelmed, let Jake take charge.'" It worked. Got me out of that bathroom and back to the party, mingling with the best. All's Jake became our thing. How we checked in at parties, how we let each other know when we were, um, sneaking off for a dalliance. Heat crept up the back of Elsie's neck. Vera lifted one perfectly arched eyebrow. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? (laughs) All's Jake is how we communicate that we're safe, is what I'm saying. How we sign all our notes. Lou wouldn't have omitted it. She's trying to tell me something. I'm sure of it. Vera's expression went blank. Had she noticed the watermark? Did it make her suspicious? You think I'm imagining things. Vera searched Elsie's face in that too sharp way. I think grown women have run away from home over less. But she's your sister. If you believe that's a cry for help, it can't hurt to find her and make sure. Some of the tightness in Elsie's chest loosened. Does that mean... It's all right if I stay? Vera shrugged. The amount you paid? You can stay all month if you like. Careful, or I just might. And... Thank you. The moment her nerves faded, a rush of guilt replaced them. Vera was only letting her stay because she didn't know the full truth. Who Elsie was? Besides, you did offer to help out. Who am I to turn down an extra pair of hands? Doors open at nine. Speaking of help, I know a little something about what attracts us gentry princesses, if you'd like some pointers. Vera tilted her head. Telling me how to run a hush bar, Miss Auntie Elixir? Elsie batted her eyes. All right, if you've got ideas, let's hear them, but only because I could use a laugh. Elsie took a deep breath. I'll find you, Lou. I promise. Then she followed Vera, ready to get to work. You're
4: listening to Elixir by Ellen Goodlett, starring Ava Mag, Killer Lee, and Marin Miller. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what if questions about the future, like what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Elixir is written by Ellen Goodlett. It is produced by Nicole Otto and executive produced by Molly Barton. Voice direction, audio production, and original theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.